Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. So, what we are going to be doing uh, from now until Easter is we're going to be parked in Luke's Gospel. Um, I know I'm talking about Easter and we've literally just had Christmas, but um, I thought it would be good to to park ourselves in uh, the Gospel of Luke for a little bit. Um, And starting off uh, with our passage from Luke chapter 2. For those of you that are sitting down in the chairs, you might see um, in some of the slots in front of you, um, these little books um, called More Than Gold, the the Penny Gospels. Um, And that is Luke's Gospel. Um, And the only difference is that this is the New International Version. We tend to use the New Revised Standard Version uh, translation on a Sunday morning. But the thrust of Luke's Gospel in the New International Version is a great translation as well. If you don't have a hard copy of it, feel free to take one. Again, I have lots of them, so we're not going to run out. So don't feel that you need to sit and leave them there for for another day or for someone else. Or you might want to take one and give give it to to someone that you care about that that might um, benefit from having a read through uh, Luke's Gospel. So those are there for you to to do with as you please. And as you know, I do like to do a bit of research in and around the the passages that that I'm going to preach on. Sometimes it takes me off into quite a few special places. Uh, might go off on a bit of a tangent, but... um, I promise you this week, as I go through this, I promise you that it does make sense. Okay? I'm promising you. But I've managed to compile a list of people who, on the surface, it would appear have very little in common or anything that would connect them. Some of these people you might have heard of already, others you might not have. So here's the list. Fauja Singh, Sir William Crooks, Colonel Harlan Sanders, Joe Pavey, Jessica Tandy, Christopher Plummer. On the surface, it doesn't appear that anything would link these people, but there is, and it's magnificent. You see, Fauja Singh is a champion runner. At 100 years old, his marathon time was a little over 8 hours and 40 minutes. Which means that he'd slowed down a little bit from when he was 92 and managed to do 26 miles in 5 hours and 42 minutes. 92 years of age. I'm about to be 41 and there is no danger that I would be able to do 26 miles 
in five hours. I probably wouldn't be struggling to do the eight hours, never mind the five hours. Albert Einstein said that anyone who has not contributed to science before the age of 30 will never do so. However, the physicist Sir William Crookes, he invented the first instruments that would allow us to study radioactivity. And he was 68 years old. Colonel Harlan Sanders was a struggling businessman and restaurateur until he thought of selling off franchises of his restaurant for his fried chicken branch of KFC. He was 62. Joe Pavey managed to run rings round a younger competition at the age of 40, winning her first gold medal at 40 years old. The oldest male and female Oscar winners are Jessica Tandy at the age of 80 and Christopher Plummer at 82. You see, all these people shared something. They all achieved these great things in their lives and they all did it at an age that many people would have thought was impossible. You know, running a marathon at the age of 100. <sighs> Discovering new technologies. Starting a, a global empire with your fast food uh, company. Or winning gold medals or, or Oscars. And the list could go on and on and on. We probably know of people who have achieved amazing things in their, their older uh, age. We might even know people to this very day that are achieving amazing things. And I imagine that all of these people on the list that I read out all shared uh, a common belief that they would achieve the goal that was set out for them, the thing that they believed they were meant to be doing. They all would have, they all would have had this drive within them to go and achieve it. And this morning we encounter two people in our passage that are very much in line with this. You see, Simeon and Anna have waited a, a, a great length of time, a great number of years, to be in the presence of the Messiah. That was their goal. That was the promise that God had made them. And it's fulfilled as Jesus is brought to the temple, as he's presented uh, to uh, the priests. And the message for us here is that we should never ever give up our hope in the things that God has promised for us. The things that God promises us in our lives, they're so secure that we can take them to the bank. We know that they'll be fulfilled. And granted, they might not be fulfilled in the, in the way that we might think they will. Certainly might not be fulfilled in the time scale that we would want. We can become impatient and think that it's not going to be fulfilled. But it's never too late for God to deliver on his promises. And he shows us that in his son, our Lord Jesus. And for those of you that were at the watch night or watched the watch night later on, you know, I said that, you know, Jesus came to us at the unlikeliest of times and the unlikeliest of places to the 
unlikeliest of people. But that's how God does it. He goes beyond our expectations or our thoughts. And and he is never, ever too late. In verses 26 and 27, we're able to read that that Simeon uh, had the Holy Spirit resting on him. The Holy Spirit was working in him, letting him know about God's plan, this rescue plan for the world, and that it would lead him right to Jesus. And it's no coincidence that he heads to the temple on that particular day, and Jesus just happened to be there. It was all part of God's plan. We read that God had promised Simeon that he would never see death before having an encounter with the Messiah. And here is this promise being fulfilled. You can remember what I just said. When God makes a promise, you can take it to the bank. And the thing is, this is a major work of the Holy Spirit. It tells people about Jesus. It reveals things about Jesus. And it guides them right to having Jesus in their heart. That they might have a a real encounter. Not with some historical character. But the true and living Lord Jesus. And through the words of scripture. And the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Continues to reveal character of God. the, The promises of God. And it continues to lead people into an encounter with God. And the thing is when the spirit moves people. Leading them towards Jesus. We're able to read that the, there's a response. It's not a, a blasé thing. There's always a response. And it's usually one that's filled with joy. Where the person just wants to praise God. Simeon takes Jesus in his arms. And blesses him. And he starts to, starts to sing to God. You know, In our passage it says... That Simeon said or caused Simeon to say. But other translations have him singing these words. And the thing is, as we've begun a a new year, it's the tradition at this time of year to to make resolutions. But it's also a a tradition to, to kind of look back on the year that's just passed. And we assess whether it's been a a good year or a bad one. And for some, it might be you look back and you think, that was a great year. I had so many amazing things happen and it was awesome. For others, it might be that it was a year filled with with struggle and, and heartache. And for others, it might just be that you had a year of, of highs and, and lows. It was a bit of a kind of topsy-turvy year. But what links all of this is that we all have that tendency to to create hopes and dreams for the year that's to come. That regardless of how our year has gone, we we try to create what our hope and our dreams are for, for the year coming. For some, it might be a replica of the year that's just passed. If you've had a great year, you hope that the next one's going to be exactly the same. If you've had a tough year, you hope for a much better 
here. Or it might be that you're just hoping that there'll be more highs than, than lows in the next year that comes. But really, when, when it all gets boiled down, we all share that longing for, for peace in our lives. Whether that's peace of mind, whether it's a peace that's deep within our soul, that's the thing that, we, that, that, that all of humanity is seeking. We want to have that peace. And the thing is, you can just look around the, the, the amount of self-help books that are available. If you go into the bookshop and you can see many, many shelves filled with self-help books, all promising to give you a, a better life. And the thing is, I, I truly believe that the authors of these books clearly have good intentions. They do hope that people will have a, 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 a better life or a good life, depending on what the, what the book is all about. But even although there's clearly a market for it, these books will always, always miss the mark. Because that true peace that we seek can only ever be felt by our Lord Jesus. But Simeon, he gets that. Simeon is at peace. We read in verse 29 that he sings these words. Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Simeon is saying, I'm at peace and I can now move on. I can move on. That long-held hope of something to come has now become a reality as he holds Jesus in his arms. He can move forward in peace. He's content with everything. He might be older in, in years. He might not have very much in a, in a material sense. However, he sees no need to look back over the previous year or previous years and start to have regrets. He's able to recognize what is happening, this, this fulfillment of a promise that God had made him. And you see, the gospel, the, the good news of, of Jesus is the key to receiving that real, tangible peace of mind and peace in our souls. That when we recognize and accept Jesus as our Savior, that becomes key to it all. Because it's not even in life that Simeon is now content. He says he's now content to die a happy man. He's able to approach death with that peace. He says, you may let your servant go in peace. He knows that his death isn't the end. That his redemption is, is secure. through this small child that sits in his arms. God's rescue plan through Jesus is now no longer a hope. It is now a reality. And when he says in verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Simeon's peace isn't some misplaced thing. He recognizes that Jesus, while 
his own personal saviour, is also now the saviour for the whole world. Revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the thing is, in a world of pluralism or secularism that suggests there might be numerous gods or numerous paths to God, Simeon's words are clearly contrary to that. And indeed, Jesus' words would be contrary to that too. For Simeon, as it should be for us, there is one God, and the only way to him was and is through the child that he held in his arms. Salvation to all peoples through Jesus. And the thing is, for some, that absolute statement and an effort to I don't know, maintain some kind of false tolerance of one God, one Savior, one path to God. It's a bit too much. It's too much to take on board, and it becomes immediately rejected. And Simeon's almost able to prophesy that this is what's going to happen. As he holds this child in his arms of the, the good news of salvation, but it will bring a great disturbance to the world, stirring many hearts and dividing people. In verses 34 and 35, it says, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This is Simeon talking to Mary. He's alluding to the fact that she will feel that, that pain as she sits at the, the foot of Jesus' cross. This little child that would grow to be a man, it says in our passage, would grow to be wise and powerful. But that Mary would be there at his weakest moment, at the foot of the cross. But he's also getting to the, 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 the crutch of it. Because the thing is, as human beings, we need to have options, differences, and ultimately control. We love to have control of things. So statements like one God and one Savior can jar even for some Christians. Because it seems to bring the exact opposite of the peace that, that Simeon has and the peace that I've just spoken about. It causes that kind of turmoil within people. But the thing is, the problem with us as humankind is we, we tend to hold on to this notion that, that we are in control. We like to think that we're in control of stuff. That we have this full and complete control over things and that we can do whatever we like and there'll be no consequences. Now, I truly believe that no matter what we do or what we say, no matter how good or, or bad it might be, or we might think it might be, nothing we do or say can gain us our salvation. And nothing we do or say can void it. It was bought and sold and bought in full by our Lord Jesus. We have a heavenly Father who continues to love us through what Jesus did in our place on the cross. However, it is only when we fully step into 
our, our destiny as that child of our Heavenly Father, that we'll ever experience this peace that each and every one of us desires. A peace that we were all made to, to have. And when Simeon is talking about the, the secret thoughts that will be revealed, he's alluding to that fact that, that we have these desires within us to go our own way. Each and every one of us. You know, just like when we were children and we felt that, that our, our parents were being too strict, but we wanted to do a particular thing, and they said no, but you did it anyway. Sometimes you got away with it. Other times you got yourself into probably more trouble than you actually thought was possible. Maybe that was just me. But the thing is, being a, a devoted follower of Jesus, a disciple, and accepting him as your, your savior, it's hard. You know, I always laugh when, when people think of Christians as being soft. And it's like following Jesus is one of the hardest things that you have to do. We're not soft. It's a huge, huge commitment. And Simeon doesn't shy away from it. He recognizes that there will be those who will embrace the message, the gospel, but there will also be those who oppose it. And just as Simeon goes through the, the, the ringer here, from that place of, of, of having that peace for himself to then starting to think about the people that he cares about that are going to reject it, it's incredibly difficult when we have friends and family that that just don't get it. There's that agony of recognizing that they are going through life just rejecting Jesus. But we're also reminded that anyone who's open to inviting the, the Holy Spirit into their, their life to work in them, when they allow that Spirit to guide them to Jesus, then amazing things can happen. That real encounter with the living Jesus, they can find that real place of peace and joy. Because Simeon wasn't the only one in the temple that day. We read of this other older woman, the prophet Anna. A woman who has obviously endured hardship in her life. We read that she had only been married for seven years before she became a widow. And assuming she was married when she was 20, she might even have been younger. She's gone over 50 years without her husband. Now, Anna was clearly a woman who loved God, praised him, worshipped him. We read that she never left the temple, worshipped God, I quote, day and night. She was committed that regardless of her circumstances, Anna had committed her life to God in a way that I can only dream of. You read, not only was she worshipping day and night, but she was also fasting and, and praying. And I think we could probably have a sermon series all about this wonderful woman who I don't think Luke wrote anywhere near enough about. That's just my opinion. However, as we read throughout the scriptures, 
We're able to read of so many people doing these amazing things when they have the desires of God on their heart. You see, moved by the Holy Spirit, Anna too was brought to that exact spot where Jesus was in the temple. And she knew immediately, immediately, that her hope in God, the God who had promised this rescue plan, promised that that her people would be redeemed, she understands that her hope had been in the right place all along. Because Anna was waiting for God to set Jerusalem free. Or as it says in our passage, the people who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. She begins to praise God for blessing her and humankind, for breaking into our world, fulfilling his promise. Now imagine that there would have been great joy for those who received the news as she goes around telling them. That was, that was the thing that she was prompted to do as she has this encounter with Jesus. For Simeon, it was to sing. For Anna, it was to go and tell everybody about him, to go and tell people about Jesus. But not unlike in our time, there may well have been people who rejected it. And that probably would have hurt her. There may have been a lot of people who had given up hope that God was going to do anything in their lives. They'd maybe gotten to an age where they'd given up. They might have placed their hope in in more tangible things, earthly things, things that they could do for themselves. They decided to grab control of life and they'd completely missing out. But for both Simeon and Anna, it's through Jesus and him alone that we find peace, purpose, and meaning. And as we move through 2023, my prayer is that we don't all fall into that, that tradition that I spoke about at the beginning of the sermon, where we look back over the last year trying to pick highlights and, and lowlights and weigh them up to see whether we had a good year or not. Or that we might look forward into our new year and hope that, that things will get better by placing our, our hope in earthly things. And not allow those things to influence whether we have a better year than the previous one. And it's not that that hoping for a promotion at work or better health or the restoration of relationships, none of these things are bad and we should be pursuing them. Of course, they're good things to be hoping for. However, that promotion at work, that's never going to bring you that lasting lasting peace that comes through Jesus. So just as Anna and and Simeon did in our passage this morning, let's be open to receiving the Holy Spirit into our lives. Let it do its work in and through us. That work that leads us to more encounters with the living Jesus. Not a historical character, but the true and living Jesus. And let's always be a people of hope. And let that hope be placed firmly in Jesus for 2023. Shall we pray? Let's pray.
Lord, we thank you that you are the fulfillment. We thank you that you are the route to true peace. And we thank you that we have access to our Heavenly Father through the work that you did. Help us by your Holy Spirit. Reveal more of yourself to us. And help us to take our eyes away from the earthly things and have them firmly focused on you. Help us to achieve the peace that each and every one of us hopes for. Lord Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And we place our hope in you this day and forevermore. And it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen.